Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to PDX Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bruden. I'm excited to have my next two guests on, Jonathan Littman and Susanna Camp. They are authors of The Entrepreneur's Faces, How Makers, Visionaries, and Outsiders Succeed. Hey, Susanna and Jonathan, and welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Hey, Dan. So I was just telling you uh, before we recorded that I really love the format of this book. And it's, I would say, I say it's modern in that you know, it's being released during this crazy time of COVID and it's really valuable, I think, for folks who are looking to start a business or, you know, founders maybe struggling right now. So um, maybe the best place to begin is a little bit about you both as, as you know, writers and entrepreneurs and the backstory of writing this book and the inspiration, if you don't mind uh, talking a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I began kind of as an author. This is uh, my 10th book. I wrote two big books with IDEO. Some of your listeners may know, well-known company for design thinking, uh, two books around innovation. Also, I had a crazy time writing for Playboy. I was, uh, I did not write about sex. I wrote about <laughs> sports. And I have a long history of narrative writing, um, nonfiction storytelling. So my Playboy uh, stories were, you know, narrative stories with dialogue. And um, in the last 10 years, uh, I met Susanna, we started seeing this, this revolution in entrepreneurship in San Francisco. And I'll let her take it away. You know, we, 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 start, we realized when we met the first day that we had worked for competing Macintosh publications. So <laughs> our tech roots in San Francisco go way back. I also worked at Wired Magazine. We were building one of the first websites in the world. It was all about building community and that's super important still. We started to write together about innovation and entrepreneurship. We were going out to events all the time, and uh, we felt like we knew San Francisco ecosystem well, but we wanted to get out and, and see the world and explore some new different models uh, based on uh, um, entrepreneurship. We had been studying trends, and so we wanted to come up with our own uh, trending model <laughs> that was more human centered and less less product centered and, and let, also tell stories. Yeah, and let's talk about that human centeredness because I am such a fan of that. I don't know if you uh, know who Jerry Colonna is. He's an executive coach, and he, I've had him on um, my podcast. And he wrote a book um, that was all about radical self inquiry. 
self-awareness. Mm. I feel that's kind of a core tenet of, of your book, but um, uh, you go deeper in that. So maybe we can talk about the uh, format of the book. because Yeah, well, quickly, yeah. Um, there are great models for startups and companies, but they're, they're company-centric, right? Lean startup, um, right? Business model canvas. There, there's no human element there. And so that's what we were thinking about. And we set out on this journey, really. You know, we went to 14 different countries, crazy, amazing places like Estonia. We went to Warsaw, um, uh, all throughout Europe. And we saw different archetypes, different kinds of entrepreneurs. Not just, you know, the billionaire San Francisco or Palo Alto Right. right. We didn't want to tell inaccessible stories of like rarefied people. We wanted to tell stories that people could relate to. Mm-hmm. And so we found everyday entrepreneurs uh, in all these different countries. And we wanted to also tell their stories like the evangelist, one of the archetypes in our in our book, who tells stories to win people's hearts and convince them to buy a product. Right. <laughs> we, yeah. we also wanted to um, yeah. tell the stories of these people, people who, by the way, also knew how to tell their stories. Yeah, it was an interesting thing. You know, there, there generally have been sort of two formats where you do a hagiography uh, it's either you write it or you have a ghostwriter write about some billionaire. Right. You know, once you've read one about Steve Jobs, you don't need to do another one, right? <laughs> so then the other books are like, you just sort of maybe have a method, but there's no narrative. And, and we want to do something a little different. And we thought, wow, we actually have 10 sort of mini novels mm-hmm. that are true. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all going through what we call sort of this arc, the arc of entrepreneurship. And they start, you know, at one place, which is the awakening. Mm-hmm. And if they're lucky and work really hard, they get to the test and maybe they even scale. And so I think our most radical idea, which which we had to say no to agents and and editors who said, you can't do a story like this, is to actually have 10 stories, you know, in one narrative form. Right. And how did you find those people? And I, I know you kind of talk about a little bit in the book. I don't want to, you know, um, like give too much away about the book and we won't go all, all over all the archetypes. But yeah, how, how did you kind of find some of these folks to profile? And uh, Well, uh prototyping uh, <laughs> hundreds of interviews <laughs> there were there were a lot of great people who we loved who we had to leave on the cutting room floor mm-hmm. uh, because it's a narrative story yeah and uh we also wanted some a certain amount of diversity in kinds of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. so they're not all you know ai or software you know tech startups right yeah well it's also we were pretty innovative in the way that we went about finding the people as we were traveling around europe we would sometimes arrive in a city with just one person's name Hmm. right and we we would then uh find different people just kind of organically through those people and we found that when we showed up people were willing to take 
meetings with us, maybe even more so than if we had planned things in advance. Mm. Like if we had tried to set up a meeting a month in advance before we left the U.S. to, you know, be in France on, right. you know, the 12th of November. Um, it, it just, it, that, those kinds of things people weren't responsive to as much as just like showing up and in the moment and them being entrepreneurial and us being entrepreneurial yeah. and us just so having a meeting. One fun example is uh, I almost really didn't even know that there was a country called Estonia before, <laughs> but at Web Summit, which is the largest uh, European tech conference, has right. 80,000 people. You know, as journalists, we had a, a pass, a press pass. In Portugal. This is in Portugal. Uh, this is in Lisbon, right? And we went there with our press pass, and the prime minister of Estonia was there. And so was the chief innovation officer of Estonia. And it, you think about it. We don't really have a chief innovation officer in our country. Right. Estonia has 1.4 million, but it has all these brilliant people. It's the most tech-enabled country in the world. Hmm. So we, I actually asked questions of the prime minister and the chief innovation officer in this big uh, press conference. And since we're from San Francisco, we carried a little more weight yeah, than sure. some people. Sure. Next thing you know, we had all these meetings in Estonia. And amazingly, two of our 10 uh, characters are Estonian. In our book. Yeah, no, I noticed that. And it sounds like both of you have been, you know, kind of in the industry, I will say, use the word seasoned, you know, uh, <laughs> Thank you. writing about the entrepreneur, um, just the rise of it, especially in San Francisco. What's different about entrepreneurship now and then when you maybe first started or how has that evolved? And I mean, I think your book kind of tackles it a little bit, but it's, I think it's a interesting question. Sure. Hopefully. Well, now in the pandemic, entrepreneurship is more important than ever. Uh, people really need to kind of innovate their way out of a jam and not rely on business as usual to uh, create the same results that they thought they were going to get, particularly, say, you know, if they're looking at case studies or, or um, studying traditional business plans or in their business school. You've got to just kind of throw that out. Uh, but today, the countries that are more innovative are investing in entrepreneurship. They're sponsoring accelerators and incubators and entrepreneurship programs. And some are starting even at the, at the high school level uh, or younger, investing in changing the mindset of young professionals. So that's very foundational, getting young talent to get started in um, and careers that are, are not so static. Mm. Yeah, I, we feel that there was a time, you know, 10, 15 years ago, when you said the word entrepreneur, it's a French word, it's sort of like, what's an entrepreneur? Oh, that is some guy in San Francisco or Seattle, let's say, who has a tech startup and he gets a million dollars and uh, he's 23 years old. Uh, but now it turns out that that entrepreneurial action is important for every business. Like mm. for instance, restaurants, boy, if you have a restaurant, you better be entrepreneurial right now to survive this. We, we actually, you know, we do workshops and, and do uh, courses actually like executive courses. There's a great example in San Francisco uh, of a bakery. It's Mr. Holmes. Okay. Which was just 
seemingly destroyed by the pandemic because it was closed. But the founder instantly learned about e-commerce, instantly turned his bakers into both tech people and warehouse workers. And he created this artful, crafted, you know, home baking kit. And his sales have gone 10x. I love that. Because he made this huge shift. And what's interesting, he had the best physical experience. He was doing very innovative things with his, with his uh, bakery uh, that were very fun and very playful. And that's what we used to write about him. And then he made this, this pivot uh, during the pandemic. And so we feel there's a, there's a odd thing that has happened is because, you know, so many traditional businesses have had so many elements of their business model challenged. They have to bring this entrepreneurial understanding. And we think, you know, going back to our book that it starts with understanding who you are and maybe who you are not and right. who you want to be partnering mm-hmm. with or on your team. Right, getting back to that self-awareness you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I I just love that. And I think the past, you know, 10 maybe more than 10 years like you were talking about, we've had this glorification of the 22-year-old entrepreneur, you know, raising money from the big venture capital firms and this time I love these stories of like the bakery you you mentioned. Come, coming with that is a lot of pain because a lot of folks are not going to have that, I wouldn't say skill set, but maybe just not going to be able to do it. So can you talk a little bit about as far as during this time, releasing this book, as far as entrepreneurs failing? Because you, you, at the beginning of the book, you talk about, you know, fail fast, all this stuff we've heard. And um, what's your you know thoughts on that? Well, um, you know, it, we're, we're, uh, we're pretty optimistic today because we, we just had a big breakthrough. Actually, Inc. Uh, Inc. just did a great piece on our, on our book. Um, great. This morning. And they, foc- they didn't actually focus on the types. They actually focused on these seven stages that we started to talk about. And the stages start with the awakening. Um, the second stage we call the shift. And then there are multiple other um, stages. There's one about the place, which is both where you are and who your community is. So, yes, people are failing. Um, and we feel that there's, there's sort of two basic courses for someone who's under stress and pain right now with a business. Is One is to see if you can make this shift, right? It's to see if if it's possible to change your, your business model, change your offering in some way, which may be um, an iteration or it may be pretty dramatic. Um, and of course, there's another possibility is you may have to stop doing what you're doing now and have a new awakening mm. to a new opportunity. Mm. What does not work, we, we know what fails is, you know, if, Customers are no longer coming to your store, no longer buying your product online or in physical place. And your numbers are just, you know, just dropping by the day. You can't wait this out. We know that. Right. So, so we, we feel the big thing is actually either having a shift or having a new awakening to a new shift. Mm. So what type uh... What are the archetypes for each of you? <laughs> uh, well, I, 
I think of myself as a maker. So this is one of the classic archetypes, the person who's prototyping things all the time. And often makers are techies. And so they're, they're good at kind of iterating and uh, creating new things. And that's something that, that I do all the time. I, I've created our website. I've created the ebook. And the ebook has a, kind of a different format from the print book where it's a, it's a threaded narrative. Mm. So if you like one of the characters, you can just click on through and just read that one person's story as a kind of a mini book and forget about everybody else. Huh. Um, and then go back to the beginning and find somebody else that you want. But I also have been studying instructional design at Harvard and I created a mini executive course around mm. the book. So, uh, oh, and the quiz, the quiz you can find on our website, the entrepreneursfaces.com. Uh, I, I just, I just like to tinker and, and make things. What about yeah, you, John? So for me, um, you know, we, we actually believe that you may have a natural type or the type that you see yourself in, in a, in a strong role, but you may also have an aspirational type as well. And I see myself as the athlete. Um, I happen to have been an athlete in the past. I was a, a college soccer player. Mm. But the athlete in entrepreneurship, it, it isn't about how fast you run or, or how high you jump. It is about loving sort of daily challenges uh, that, you know, are completely different. It, it just adoring deadlines, pressure, um, Athletes are sort of the antithesis of the solid, boring corporate, you know, staffer who you throw something new at them and they, you know, won't do it. Um, so athletes are really essential, I think, to most, um, you know, growing companies, the type. I am also, though, an aspirational outsider mm. because outsiders are kind of constantly looking outside. They're looking at other industries other people that are quite different from them. And we believe that that's where you might find your next big thing um, by sort of putting on other hats. Well, thanks for sharing that. I'm not quite sure what I am, but I'll, I'll have to read the, a lot of them jump out. That's my ADHD, I guess. I'm like, I'm that one, I'm that one. Well, let's um, talk about the region a little bit. You know, I'm here in Portland, you're just outside San Francisco. Obviously, traditionally, look at the barrier area for startups and entrepreneurship. How is it changing there? I mean, we read all this news, you know, people are leaving, not just San Francisco, other big cities, New York. I just can't stand that because I don't think it's true. But how has the pandemic like kind of shifted the um, the startup or entrepreneurship world down there? And we could talk a little bit about Portland, what my thoughts up here. Too. I, I think it's a great question. You know, we we actually... We have our own club, we call it Reset Club of people, sort of smart people, and we meet online to talk about real things like this. And I, I think a lot of things get exaggerated, especially in the New York media. Mm -hmm. We love to sort of poke fun at San Francisco, probably Portland too. Right. Um, and so, well, there's a ton of startup activity here. Uh, actually, I think there's more than there was. Mm. I mean, I, I think the pandemic is offering new uh, opportunities for disruption. What is different is more people can live outside of the city now and outside of the more expensive areas. 
So, you know, we, as we live about 18 minutes from San Francisco and it's more beautiful and less expensive. Right. Um, and San Francisco is not as exciting as it was before. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, Silicon, um, there's a Silicon Valley mindset, right? So this is something that, that entrepreneurs from all over the world come to San Francisco to learn. Uh, or if they can't come here, like right now, they'll, they still want to study it. And this is, this is the mindset that embraces failure. And it embraces personal storytelling as well. So if you, you don't necessarily want to tell your story as a failure, but as an evolution, right? What did you learn? Uh, how did you flurn, which is failure plus learning? Flurn. And, I love yeah. that. I'm stealing that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and, and, and it is different in San Francisco. People, people do know how to uh, tell their story to get funding to get followers. And we didn't see this everywhere we traveled. Uh, we didn't always see that people really knew how to pitch themselves. Yeah, in Warsaw, um, you know, it was my first time, I think Susanna's first time to Warsaw. Google actually has one of just eight, you know, global campuses in Warsaw. Why? Because they have brilliant, you know, mathematicians and, and coders, just world-class. And we actually went to these um, almost like Soviet era apartment blocks and then we'd enter this, these buildings uh, and, and there'd be three flights, uh, uh, you know, three floors of an incredibly cool company, huh. you know, essentially a startup. Uh, the problem is they were all doing sort of the more boring sort of back office work for, you know, multinationals in Europe because they have zero um, of this type we just talked about, the evangelist. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there isn't the history yeah, of they, marketing. Right. They're, in, they're, they're, in, ma they're makers. They know how to make things, right. but they don't know how to actually, actually get the things to market. Right. And so these are things that we saw in some cultures. Yeah, so we see, you know, for instance, we actually do a lot of collaboration now with um, people in Portugal. Okay. Uh, and Portugal is one of these really interesting, and maybe there's a parallel to Portland in a way. It's, it's a tiny European country. It kind of doesn't get the same respect or notice as, let's say, France, you know, definitely not Paris or, or you know, Rome or, or, or Madrid or what have you. But actually, they, they work really hard and they're very entrepreneurial. And, and they've created really a, a thriving model. There's a lot of social entrepreneurship there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and they're doing a lot of smart things. So we, one of our you know, core ideas in our book is place. And, and place can be a physical place, but it always along with that has to be a community. Right. And so we as, you know, we're actually entrepreneurs in residence now with a company there. Okay. Um, and so we believe this is the time you have to build your community. And if your community is in Portland, it's probably going to be a certain number of people in Portland. But because of our digital international world now, it's going to be people in other places. And so our digital community is here, people here, but it's also a lot of people in Portugal mm. as well. 
let's talk uh, a couple more questions and I'll, I'll let you go. That community piece. So my background is putting together in-person events for executives. Obviously, that's not a great time to be doing that right now. <laughs> doing, uh, you know, like everyone else, a lot of virtual community building and uh, events. Um, it's not the same. It's a different, I would say it's a different skill set almost or different mindset. So it sounds like you've been involved in different digital community building for a long time before the pandemic. What are some things you can share about building a community? Maybe if you're a founder or um, yeah, starting. We have a colleague um, who's a great model. We'd encourage you know your listeners to check her out. Um, her name is Anne Coquette and she has a, a community for business women, you know, entrepreneurial women called the Guild. Mm -hmm. And it's a pretty interesting story because she was completely, she, she, she has an app, she has a, you know, online presence, but she did tons of physical events before, you know, February 25th or something. <laughs> she actually worked at um, uh, Genentech. Genentech. And so she knew this was coming in a bigger way. And she shifted to online, and she has these online uh, Guild Academy accelerators. Interesting. I think she's actually already done her third or fourth full cohort since okay. January. And she does tons of online events, and she's mastering it. And I have a feeling it's going to be better for her business right. than if things stayed in the physical way. Yeah, and just to add to that, I, I would encourage people to leverage the platforms they're using and take advantage of some of the technology that's embedded in those. Uh, for example, in, in education, um, you, can't, you can't just replace the classroom with a, a Zoom video of a professor in <laughs> front of the camera. Um, just trying to do everything the way that that he he used to do things because it, it's not engaging. There, there, Zoom has polls you can use, and you can you can kind of track engagement that way. There's also some other tools like uh, Mural, mm -hmm. which is a digital whiteboarding tool that we use in our workshops, and people people have fun sort of you know digitally rolling up their sleeves in, in a way and like yeah. working together on the whiteboard. Yeah. And we find you have to actually be a lot more thoughtful and creative about how you create an event. I mean, we've done, you know, done probably a couple hundred uh, physical events um, and love them and I miss them, but we find we have to sort of think, okay, how could we gamify this online? Right. You know, how can we be, uh, you know, make it thoughtful and uh, make it a little easier for people who may have some trouble with the tech. Mm -hmm. um, so we find we're, we're actually in some places it's better online. Yeah. What I found just as a participant and running some, cause I've been using Miro and all this such great tools, great. you have to be more present. Like I get done with an online meeting or event and I'm like, I'm way more wiped out than if I was in person talking yeah. to 50 people, which is uh, just kind of you know, blows me away a little bit. So I love that advice. Um, well, as we wrap up here, I always, the future of entrepreneurship, what's it going to look like? Not that I, you know, it's, I hate asking futures questions, but it's also kind of fun. So <laughs> yeah, we feel it's becoming, um, you know, essential. It, it's, it's, we used to think of it as something separate, you know, from a career. 
uh, whether that career was, you know, was a lawyer, a doctor, a, a business person. And now we feel like almost every discipline, almost every pursuit should have an entrepreneurial element, you know, uh, and that, you know, we actually think there are probably going to be new words and new phrases that'll come along to talk yeah. about this. Yeah, I would say too that it's 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 um, intricately linked with storytelling. So I would uh, I would offer this advice to anybody who wants to be an entrepreneur or more entrepreneurial is be able to tell your story well. It's it's so it's so important. And there were there were many people we met who were doing great great things, but because they didn't know how to tell their story to us we didn't exactly know how to like bridge that gap and tell their story to the world. Right. Those are skills I'm trying to teach my five-year-old. We started a little, <laughs> I know this is ridiculous. We started a little Etsy business and like that storytelling piece is, is huge. So I'm going to take some advice from you. Well, uh, Jonathan, Susanna, thanks so much. The book is Entrepreneurs Faces, How Makers, Visionaries, and Outsiders Succeed. Is it available yet or is it still pre-order? It's, it's out on it's Amazon. Out. It's okay. out on Amazon, but you can also find it on our website, theentrepreneursfaces.com. And take the quiz. Yeah. <laughs> And it, we, we love hearing back from people about their type. Uh, yeah, so you'll have to follow back up with us. I will. I have, to, I, have to, I have to focus and look at them all again. So, well, <laughs> And thank- you can be more than one. It's okay. Okay, I love that. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Thanks, right. Dan. Bye, Dan. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well. 